This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. A leper came to Jesus and kneeling down begged him and said, If you wish, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, touched him, and said to him, I do will it, be made clean. The leprosy left him immediately, and he was made clean. Then warning him sternly, he dismissed him at once. He said to him, see that you tell no one anything, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses prescribed. That will be proof for them. The man went away and began to publicize the whole matter. He spread the report abroad so that it was impossible for Jesus to enter a town openly. He remained outside in deserted places, and people kept coming to him from everywhere. The Gospel of the Lord. In that passage from the end of the first chapter of Mark, Jesus encounters a man with leprosy. I think you remember this. Leprosy in the Bible refers to a wide variety of skin disorders. You can read details about how our Jewish spiritual ancestors handle leprosy in the book of Leviticus in chapters 13 to 14, from which we heard some verses just now in today's first reading. In Old Testament times, leprosy is often understood as a punishment for sin. Leprosy renders a person not holy, ritually unclean. Physical contact with a person who is ritually unclean renders a spiritually clean person also unclean. So a person with leprosy is considered very dangerous and is entirely separated from the community. A person with leprosy must wear torn clothes, have disheveled hair, live alone outside the camp, and cry out, unclean, unclean, to warn off other people. That is much more than a physical suffering. Very significantly, a person with leprosy must be separated from the worship community. So leprosy in the Old Testament, and at Jesus' time, is the most dreaded of all diseases because it takes a person who has a nasty physical illness and separates that person from family, friends, the community, and public worship. Leprosy is considered a living death. In the Old Testament, if a person is healed of leprosy, the person presents himself or herself to the Jewish priest and can be declared clean and is then restored to the community. This happens when it does through natural healing. In terms of the supernatural, miraculous healing of leprosy, the Old Testament only has two citations, Moses' sister Miriam in the book of Numbers and Naaman the Syrian in the second book of Kings. That makes a miraculous healing of leprosy just about as rare as rare can be, an exceptional miracle that is like a person's being brought back to life after physical death. As In fact, there are three examples of that in the Old Testament. So the miraculous healing of leprosy is slightly more exceptional and therefore entirely unexpected. That's the background of today's gospel passage.
In Mark 1, at the beginning of his public ministry in Galilee, Jesus has already healed many people who are physically ill, and as you know, he's driven demons out of many people. Two Sundays ago, we heard Mark tell us that as a result of this, his fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region. Presumably, having heard or even seen Jesus, in today's passage, a leper approaches him, kneels down, begs him, and says, if you wish, you can make me clean. That is a very powerful declaration of faith, a very deep response to what the leper has encountered in or even just about Jesus. He has the correct insight that God is so powerfully within Jesus that Jesus can heal him as only two people have been healed in the entire recorded history of God's chosen people. That is an insight from God. The leper accepts that insight and responds to it by taking action. He's humble, direct, he's open in pursuit of Jesus. All of that is faith. Jesus then responds to the leper and his faith. Jesus, who is God, reaches into the leper's physical illness, which is bridging the gap between God and people who are considered clean in God, the holy, and the one who is considered unclean, the unholy. Jesus reaches in, takes the leper's ritual defilement upon himself, and says, I do will it, be made clean. The leprosy leaves him immediately, he's made clean. This is an extraordinarily rare miracle, and it's not the end of what Jesus wants to do for this man. It is, in fact, the beginning. The miracle is astonishing. The miracle is nothing but good, but as we've discussed many times here, like all of Jesus' healing miracles, it is temporary. The man can get leprosy one week later, one day later. The miracle is a revelation of God's power working through Jesus, which is meant to lead to the man's choosing to become a follower of Jesus, a disciple. It's meant to lead to the man's choosing to enter into the path of lifelong and then eternal salvation through Jesus. After the healing, Jesus takes an action to give the healed man the direct opportunity to choose the path of discipleship. Jesus instructs the man sternly not to tell anyone about the miracle, but to go to the priests to be declared clean. Recall that during the narrow period of time of his public ministry, Jesus regularly instructs people in this way. We call it the messianic secret. Who Jesus is as Messiah is only partially revealed at this early point of his public ministry. The fullness of who Jesus is as Messiah, a suffering Messiah who is also God's chosen one, that's only revealed through Jesus's passion, death, and resurrection in the future. After his resurrection, Jesus instructs his disciples to go out and tell all the world who he is. That's his ultimate instruction. But at this point, in the first chapter of Mark, it's entirely routine for Jesus to instruct someone like the healed leper not to tell anyone about the miracle. 
So how is that an opportunity for the man to choose the path of discipleship? Most immediately, it's a direct instruction from Jesus. If the man does what Jesus tells him to do, that will be a new act of faith, another step forward in his living as a follower of Jesus, which means growth in their relationship. But think about this. It will be very difficult for the man to contain the news of the miracle. If he does what Jesus tells him to do, I think the odds are quite strong that he's going to come back to Jesus to find out why he has to keep his mouth shut, or to complain about having to keep his mouth shut, or to ask permission to tell other people, or to find out what is going on with all of this. One way or another, to come back to learn more from Jesus. Jesus' instruction to him, specifically with the challenges that are involved, is 100% Jesus' offering the man the opportunity for growth as a disciple in a long-term relationship with Jesus, which is salvation. What actually happens with the man is entirely understandable, and it's entirely unfortunate. Scripture writer tells us the man goes away and chooses to publicize the whole matter, the opposite of what Jesus has commanded him to do. This matters. This matters for the man. Is there any evidence that he returns to Jesus? No. Is there even a suggestion in Mark that he becomes a disciple? No. And the man's choice also matters to Jesus, not just to him. Mark tells us that as a result of the publicity, Jesus is unable to enter a town openly, which is what he wants to do, to preach and heal, to announce the kingdom of God. Instead of entering towns, Jesus now remains outside in deserted places. Jesus is now living conditions more like the leper, distance from people outside the community, than the healed leper himself. I invite you to simply consider that entire scene, the good of it and the bad of it, in the next few days as all of us are going to make one of the most important spiritual decisions of this year, whether to live Lent, which begins this upcoming Wednesday, February 14th, Ash Wednesday. Let me remind you about Lent 101. The in fact holiest days of 2024 will be given to us by God this March 28th through 31st, the Easter Triduum. Jesus ultimately brings salvation to the world through his passion, his death, and his resurrection. All of us are going to be invited to enter into that reality, not just to remember it through the grace of the Easter Triduum, We're all going to be invited to somehow be transformed through the grace of Easter to have salvation renewed within us. Remember we prayed, or many of us prayed, for the grace of the real rebirth of Jesus within us through the Advent and Christmas seasons? If you accepted that grace, it leads to this. The key experience has shown to being maximally open to the grace of the Triduum and the Easter season is spiritual preparation through living Lent. Lent is simply the six plus weeks in which people freely choose to intensely turn away from sin 
and be more faithful to the gospel, like the leper in today's gospel passage, to allow Jesus to reach into the sin of our lives, to heal us, and for us to do more what he tells us to do. As many or most of you know, Lent is not mostly about giving up meat on Fridays or any other good Lenten disciplines. All good Lenten disciplines are intended to be concrete means of fostering a deep, active, prolonged spiritual journey. Not to go off to a mountain for six plus weeks, but to step back in the course of our regular lives and for six plus weeks to enter into a process of reflection, repentance, purification, and Christian action. Many of you know well that Lent is a uniquely valuable gift from God. In our parish, the one reality that I most frequently hear people cite as the instrument of major spiritual conversion and growth by people of all ages, and I believe for us as a community, is the choice to deeply live Lent. I am a very limited and sinful Christian. Whatever spiritual maturity I personally have has had a great deal to do with having lived Lent. So I fully intend to dive into Lent 2024, and I invite you to join me. I invite you on Ash Wednesday. It is not a holy day of obligation. I invite you to come, if you can, to celebrate Mass together, to formally begin the season. I invite you to start each week of Lent with the celebration of Sunday Mass, to allow the grace of the Word and the Eucharist to enter you, to guide you through Lent. Please make daily reflection and spiritual action the heart of your living Lent. There are so many resources to guide us. Most of them are free. Most of them are available online. One resource I invite everyone to consider using is our One Heart Lent program. With the One Heart Lent program, each day during Lent, you're invited to read the gospel passage for that day's Mass and then to be guided through a pretty substantive reflection for the day. I think these guided reflections for each day of Lent are especially wonderful because I wrote them. We publish the full reflections for each week of Lent in our bulletin. You can also access that at stpatrickparish.com, or you can download the entire prayer guide through the One Heart Lent program button at the top of Cor Unum's website, corunamealcenter.org. You do not have to figure out how to be spiritually focused and active each day during Lent at this point. At this point, you do have to decide whether to be spiritually focused and active each day during Lent 2024. This is an opportunity we know is offered to us by God. You have the choice to live Lent. I hope you will. You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.